Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 82. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another show. We've got a great guest for you this week, Stephen Schallenberger. Now, Steve is the founder and chairman of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Steve's goal is to help individuals and companies achieve their very best as they implement 12 principles of highly successful leaders, which are crucial to the success of any leader or person. Steve has provided consulting and training for hundreds of companies and tens of thousands of leaders throughout 25 plus countries. And I'm really looking forward in this episode to delve into some of these principles that um, highly successful leaders have shown and follow. And Steve, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. It is a delight to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for the honor and the privilege. I just feel so grateful to be with you today. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So, Steve, can you give us some sort of some backdrop onto how you got to this point today? Well, great. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I'm happy to start right there. I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, there were eight of us in a 900 square foot home. My parents were divorced when I was 14, and uh, we we're a pretty poor family. I had a wonderful single mom raising the family, and uh, so. That's how we got going. My first job was at an Italian restaurant, and uh, I, I bust tables, wash dishes. I worked for the Vallejo Garbage Company for a while. Uh, that was very interesting because I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning, drive to the scariest part of town, and stand in line and hope that I will be able to take the job of someone that didn't show up that day. Uh, and uh, good work, good pay, but it was tough and scary. <laughs> and uh, then I met a wonderful man when I was 16 named David Conker, Conger. He was a real estate broker in, in Northern California. He helped me start seeing things that I'd never see before. He helped me read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, and he helped me start my first company at 16, Schallenberger Maintenance Services, and I would provide maintenance services for his real estate firms, and and this kind of got me on track, really, helped me started seeing things differently. Uh, I went to school, lived in uh, South America for a couple of years on a mission for my church, and during college, sold books on the East Coast of the United States, and at 26 started my first company, which was a marketing company, and at 27 bought my first company, which was a publishing and a printing firm. And within a few years of graduation, just a couple of years, I had 700 employees, uh, and um, it was interesting because they would come, many were sales reps, and, and they would say, well, how can I be a top sales rep? Or how can I be one of the top managers? And as a young man, very interested in success, this started research uh, and inspired me to think about what sets apart high-performing individuals, high-performing teams from everybody else. And so what I thought might take three or four years uh, ended up taking over 40 years. My hair went from black to white. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
But what I discovered as I interviewed over 150 CEOs, studied the lives of over 200 historical figures that have touched the lives of us throughout the world, uh, I observed some important things. Uh, and one of the things I observed is that people weren't perfect. Everybody had challenges and struggle with things. But those that set themselves themselves apart from everybody else in terms of performance, uh, we discovered there were 12 things present. Uh, and that is what we put in my book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders, because we found that these were things that people could do that would create this chemistry of excellence 100% of the time. And yeah. so this is how I got started. Uh, a great way to begin uh, from coming from a pretty rough background uh, to being blessed to have experiences all over the world and seeing people adopt these 12 principles and realizing it can change their lives personally, their relationships, and their prosperity and how they impact other people in life. So uh, that's how we got going. Yeah, that's amazing. There's so many things from that. I think one of the the first things that um, that I really sort of touched on there was how one person can really change your way of thinking. I mean, when you met that real estate guy, he he completely changed your approach on how you wanted to or how you took a look on your life that completely changed your direction in in where it was going. And I think some people have that, an amazing ability to do that. Obviously, you had that foresight and mindset to be able to do that but some people have that amazing impact in our lives to change the course of our direction absolutely and that's a great point jeff uh and i know that you uh you have a tremendous background uh and you are helping so many people and i just want to compliment you for that and and uh, but this idea that you're, ta you're that you're talking about now is so important is uh, I've had four or five or six really significant people like uh, David Conger, uh, who absolutely uh, helped me get to another place in life. And one is I was interested. I had a desire. I wanted to improve. I was, uh, it wasn't so much ambition. I just felt this feeling inside that I could do better myself, that I, and I wanted to develop these talents, and so I started looking for people that could help me get to a place that I, I was not able to get to myself just by following their example. And, and so those have been transformational experiences, and your listeners can do the very same thing. I continue to do it now. Uh, like, I'm, I'm really, I consider myself a young 67 years old. <laughs> I'm still... But I'm still cranking it, you know, and and I just had a, a, a speaking of podcast. I just had a great podcast yesterday with Dennis Waitley. Not sure if you've ever heard that. Oh, Dennis is amazing. He's 84 years old and still out there trying to just follow the impressions that he has in his heart and take his uniqueness and leave the world a better place. And that's what you're doing. It's what I'm trying to do but you're right you're spot on that we can find Im important people as we journey along through life that can touch us and what i found 
Jeff, is in the spirit of me just learning from them, we developed a close bond with one another. And I've had the blessing to actually speak at the funeral of many of these people. They're like, they, they've, they've lived long lives, 90, 92. And, and uh, so it's a journey that we do together. Uh, and so good point on your part. And also is is before before we go into some of these twelve principles, the other thing is is what I also want to highlight is you know you've just said there that you're you're sixty seven years old is some people you know you're still determined to keep on going you're still determined to develop to be to be better to succeed but you also highlight that very good point is you can it's never too late. It's you know some people think that they're too old at forty five or fifty or whatever it is, and it's never too late to keep on pursuing what it is that you're wanting to go for. I am so glad you said that. It is really becoming your best is a frame of mind, uh, and and I had the opportunity to be with a fellow. He's a, a, a television. Uh, figure, a celebrity, Dr. Oz is his name, a fabulous fellow, and he talks about health and longevity. Uh, I love this quote that I read from him as well, but he also shared, and he said, the heart needs to have a reason to keep beating. And that's that's it. For And whether it's you or me, uh, we need to have a reason for our heart to keep beating. And so whether we're 67 or 80 or 20, uh, once we get that idea in our mind of something we can do that's worthwhile, life starts taking on a greater meaning, a, a greater fulfillment and happiness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's dive into the some of the, these 12 principles. Could you, because um, I know that the audience love actually tangible things that they can start implementing. So can you share with us some of the 12 principles um, that you have found resonates with throughout these strong leaders or these people that have been successful? Right. Uh, And all the time, Jeff, people ask, well, you know, I'm not sure I can be a great leader, but a great leader is what makes the difference. And and the fact is, is that you don't have to recreate the will because we've done the work for you. I can tell you uh, what those things are. And so uh, in response to your question, here are a couple that are representative of highly successful leaders. And they uh, are predictable results every time. And what I found is each one is important. Each one of the 12 is important, but alone really insufficient. It's how they come together that creates this, this chemistry, this magic of excellence. So here are a couple of them. Uh, one of the things that highly successful leaders do across the board is that they lead with a vision. So uh, whether it's a, a president of an organization, a division manager, a coach, a teacher, uh, a, a parent, uh, in a, a civic responsibility, the first thing we do as a leader is we say, let's create the vision. Here is where we're going. And a vision is the direction. And it should be meaningful and inspiring and compelling. One of the best definitions I've, I have heard of, of what a really successful vision is, is that it provides leadership 
in the absence of supervision. So people know what to do, right? So that, that's one of the things that uh, highly successful leaders do. A good example of this is uh, we've had the privilege of uh, working in the country of Rwanda. Uh, and yeah, 21 years ago, Rwanda had this terrible national tragedy where over in 100 days, the opposition party plotted and successfully was able to kill, slaughter 1.1 million of their fellow countrymen in 100 days. Uh, well, you can hardly imagine anything more horrific than that. And a fellow by the name of Paul Kagame raised uh, an army, uh, a rebel army, and came in and stopped it. And uh, he actually happened to be of the uh, persuasion that was being slaughtered. So, uh, I mean, imagine the possibilities here. Uh, he eventually became president. So for your listeners and, and, and for me, for us to think about, if you were the leader of that country in that position at that time, what would you do to help get that country back on track, to help it heal, to help people be successful? Well, what President Kagame did is he set a vision. This is what we do. First thing, we just say, and his vision was, is by the year 2020, they'd have a strong, healthy, positive, middle class, a productive, upbeat country. And so they went to work. He said there'd be no more Hutus, no more Tutsis. We are all Rwandans. We will do this together. And so they forged forward. As we've had the opportunity to be there, we've asked cab drivers, people in hotels, people on the streets, do you know the vision? <laughs> they all know the vision. And right now, Rwanda is the second fastest growing economy in all of Africa. This is a country on the move. Uh, they have almost no corruption, really. You can walk around that country 24-7 uh, and feel safe. Uh, there's great security. Uh, the education is a priority. They look sharp. They dress sharp. I mean, it's a fun place to be. Well, this is as a result of leadership. And one of the very first things that he did, and because of that, he's tremendously loved, and they're, uh, they're on the move. So that's one of them. Uh, I'll just – would you like me to touch on maybe one or two more? Yeah, well, I just want to just come to that one because that's a really good one because I, I spoke at a, an event just the other day and there was about 50 people in the room that I was speaking to. And the first thing I asked is, is how many of you in the room? The first question is the obvious one. How many would like to be successful, happy and fulfilled? Um, and, of you know, everyone wants to put their hand up. And the second question I asked was, how many of you got a vision or a plan to get you there? And only two people put their hand up. And it's, it's, it amazes me that, you know, they all say you've got one camp that will all say, you know, all these personal development kind of things talk about vision. And you go, yeah, okay, but there's a reason because they talk about that. It's important. And then you've got another one that goes, well, if everyone talks about it, why don't you do something about it? Because if it's important, not enough, you know, yet you ignore it, don't expect anything to change. And I think it, you just highlight there, you know, something as big as changing a whole country by having a vision. And let's take it even, you know, down to something simpler. If you want to change your life, well, it's not even simpler. It's just as, as important to, to, to an individual. If you want to change your life, you have to have an image 
of what that has to be. And you just you've just highlighted how important it is. So that was okay. that was really what I wanted to make a point of. Well, that's perfect, Jeff. Uh, and you're spot on. Just think about my brief little experience with Mr. David Conger. What changed? I got a vision. Oh, my thoughts changed about what was possible. And and before we started this podcast, Jeff and I had the opportunity to visit a few minutes. And he was kind enough to uh, respond to an acquire I made to just tell me about himself and what a story Jeff has. Well, he had a shift, and all of a sudden he saw things differently, and and it was that compelling vision uh, that um, I think maybe had a big impact on your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, certainly was with complete definition of purpose, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there was nothing that was there was nothing that was going to change me from my path, um, well, or or will. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. so that's a big one, and I don't want to dwell on it. Our time's limited. No, no, so let's go into another one. Okay, well, I'll just touch on uh, two more. Okay. Uh, they're, they're all all 12 are really quite inspiring, but one of them is to live the golden rule in business and in life. So living the golden rule, of course, is treating others how we hoped we would be treated. Uh, but th this this is an amazing principle of just being kind, of paying compliments, of looking for good. And uh, this is at the very foundation of creating cultures that are winning cultures. When we show respect, uh, when we recognize the potential of other people, they step up to the plate so many times. And this starts opening up high trust cultures. Uh, but it really starts there with living the golden rule. And so these highly successful leaders treat people in a different way. Uh, they, they, give them, they, they, uh, they ask them what their story is. They say, hey, I noticed you, you're doing this. I so much appreciate it. Well, those are things that start building trust and also cause people to stand up. Now, you brought up another one a little earlier, Jeff. Uh, uh, one of the ones that people that are, are generally very interested in is how to prioritize their time. And um, so that definitely is one of them. Highly successful leaders are good at prioritizing their time. And, and in our seminars, we'll start off by saying, how many of you feel like you're firefighters? <laughs> in other words, going around putting out fires all day long and, uh, you know, like most hands go up. And we just mentioned that uh, you're not alone because 68% of uh, leaders and business executives say that's their number one challenge. And so one of the things we found is that there is a process that people can do. And this is great for me. Uh, and it's great for your listeners too. And the process is called pre-week planning. So if you imagine uh, a pilot, uh, uh, we have a couple of sons that have been fighter pilots uh, and they've had, they've done great service for their country uh, but when they prepare for a flight, they take four or five hours to prepare for a mission. But imagine what would happen if they just, if the fighter pilots would just go out, jump in the jet and take off and wing it. What would happen? You know, it, well, it could cost their life, of course. And uh, so, but people go through their week just doing that and they expect a different result. They think they can just fly by the seat of their pants and boy, that doesn't work to create uh, 
highly successful weeks. And so this little process of taking 20 to 30 minutes during the weekend, but before Monday morning at 8 a.m., helps them plan out their week, but they do it in a very specific way, which helps them do the things that matter most in life. And so a little process that's helpful, this is a skill set, is to just think of your key roles in life, like parent or spouse, or in your case, a coach, a, a, a business leader. Uh, it might be a, a, a president of an organization, might be a son or a daughter or student, and certainly yourself, personal. And then that's one of the steps, you write those down. And then the next one is, what are the most important actions that you can take this week for each role that will matter most in your life, that will make a difference. And, uh, and, and then the last step you say, well, when will I do this? And then you balance out your whole schedule and you set up the week. And so now when you hit Monday morning, uh, you're going to do it with a plan in place, but it's a plan around the things that matter most in your life in a way that brings balance that brings confidence, that brings focus. Uh, so if I were to say of any of the 12, Jeff, uh, that would be important, this would be one because it brings them all together and it's where the rubber meets the road. It's around where you execute your vision and your goals and makes them a reality. It's where you treat people right and you're thinking of the things that are important. And so these propel you to a whole nother level. Uh, but those are three out of the 12 that kind of give you a feel. Yeah, no, and and, and um, we'll finish on those ones because I think the the the, the importance is with that one is is I must meet about 90% of the people I meet are overwhelmed because they've got so much to do. And actually when they break it down, it's because they they just haven't planned what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And they, they get so overwhelmed with the task that they end up doing none of it because they're so overwhelmed to become um, in a state of inaction. And then the other part is it this is for the majority of people and my argument with it, we, again, it goes back to the, the, the first principle that you talked about with vision is the majority of the people who I've worked with where they come into burnout or they're, you know, they're not satisfied with their life they've led a reactive life. They've only changed direction where they've hit the metaphorical or sometimes the, the actual physical brick wall in their personal health or something before they've changed. And when you've done what you've said, whether it be that, you know, create the vision or you've got that plan, when you've got that plan, you've got the foresight of knowing what's going. And even if we use the example of what you're saying about the pre-flight checks that a fighter pilot does, they know when to turn. They know when to avoid the radar. They know when to avoid the surface-to-air missiles. They know when to move from the dangers that are already forward so they can plan the safest possible route in order to be effective to reach that target. And this is what I, what I want to stress to the listeners is by having that plan and by having that target or vision that you've got, it is you, you are going to get be so much more productive and be be so much more fulfilled because you're going to get so much more done that it's critical that you get um that you do take those things that 
what Steve has talked about and, and think about what, how are you implementing those sort of things in your life at the moment? Uh, spot on. Great job. That's a super summary. Hi, guys. So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to let you know that Success IQ Alliance, my membership program, will be entering its pilot phase shortly. And I'm looking for a group of people that would like to join me during this phase at the very beginning of the whole process. If you're interested and would like to find out more information, then please email me at info at jeffnicholson.co.uk. Places are limited, but it would be lovely to see you there. Speak soon. Wishing you the greatest success and have an awesome week. So we are going to jump over to the second part of the show. This is an opportunity where I get to put Steve, the guest, on the hot seat, um, (laughs) where I get to put him and ask him about the questions I ask every single guest on the show. So, Steve, are you ready? Okay, question number one. How much time a week do you spend on self-development? Now, this, when we talk about self-development, mind, body, spirit. Yeah, well, the stakes are high, of course, for all of us. Uh, and, uh, and this is where the game is won and lost, is taking care of ourselves. So certainly if you lop uh, exercise into that, probably about 10 hours a week. Uh, but uh, I'd say five to six hours of reading, studying uh, books, the internet, reading magazines, staying current, uh, learning about how to do better myself, uh, thinking about uh, what can I do to be a better father? What can I do to be a better leader? And and I have another company in the energy services businesses. And how do we be disruptive and not get disrupted? So uh, that's a great question. There you go. That's it for me. And I love exercising because you can multitask and you can listen to TED Talks and motivational talks and study things, uh, you know, on on the move. Absolutely. Okay, so second question is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? Okay, well, it's hard to narrow that down to one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, well, one. just try. <laughs> I'm just a stale old guy. I mean... <laughs> So I, I told one of them, Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, another one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of my favorite lines is you can criticize, blame, and, and condemn, but it takes a real person of character to find good even in tough times. Brilliant. Uh, cool. There Excellent. you go. Okay. Uh, question number three is what is your favorite app? <laughs> well, I want to listen to some of your other at uh, podcasts. <laughs> But uh, mine are what's up because it gives you a capacity to uh, communicate internationally. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Uh, when I was uh, after I'd been in business for about 10 years, we had been growing rapidly for almost a decade. Uh, and I had uh, several companies and we cross collateralized uh, our financing on these companies and we just grew too fast on one of the uh, uh, companies. We thought we were making a lot of money and we found out we were losing a lot of money, $12 million. Uh, and this all happened in a short period of time. And so we all have kind of pretty big setbacks in life. And like you said earlier, Jeff, uh, we have to decide how we're gonna face that. 
And in this case, I, I had a choice. I was either going to stand up to the plate and, and take this on and work through it, uh, or I was just going to throw in the towel and, and just move away in, in, in disgrace. <laughs> yeah. And I decided to take it on and face it. And so it took me seven long years to work through it, agonizing years, uh, where I was able to satisfy ultimately every obligation. And I was back to square one at the end of that time. But the lessons, it, it, I expect most of your listeners and you would agree, uh, we wouldn't wish these type of things on anyone. Yet, what we learned uh, while going through these changed our lives. And we're different today because of what happened. And I'm far more successful today for having had the opportunity to go through that, uh, including spiritually. Uh, um, you know, I, I just ultimately one night, I, I got up many nights at 2.30 trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And uh, one night I was on my knees and finally just said, Heavenly Father, uh, I'm going to work as hard as I can to try to solve this problem. But I don't know where it's going to go. And so I just put my life in, in, in my hands and wherever it ends, ends up, it ends up. And, and at that moment, it just a real peace came over me and, and it's, it stayed with me over all these years. And so they've been great blessings. That's what I guess what challenges can do for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Question number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Well, I think I've uh, addressed that a bit with the pre-week planning. This is an extremely powerful tool. It is a mindset uh, and a skill set. It's a mindset of saying, hold it. Uh, I want to be one that doesn't cause crisis. I want to be one that resolves crisis before they ever come up. And I want to have a balanced life. And I want to be at peace. I want to have happiness. And so this is worth doing. Taking, investing in 20 or 30 minutes during the weekend uh, and thinking of my roles uh, and then what actions matter most and then defining when I'll do it. So this process brings a great sense of peace in life and, and focus and happiness. So I, I think uh, that is what has been a real help for me, uh, Jeff. Brilliant. Okay. Okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? <laughs> well, I'm we're, we're, I'm cheating uh, because we, <laughs> we actually have a two-day breakthrough entrepreneur conference. So I've thought about this question a little bit. And I, I think the number one would be that one of the, you know, in our country, in the United States, uh, 600,000 new businesses are born every single year. Uh, but uh, also... The statistic is about 600,000 die every year. <laughs> and I think this the statistic is 70% of those that are founded this year will fail within 10 years. So, the you know, that's a lot of misery and uh, a lot of lost capital. And so one of the things that I found contributes to that is people have an idea and they move directly to execution. But that is FFF, uh, formula for failure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, you know, we feel so inspired about the idea and, man, we think it's a winner. And then uh, in the vast majority of cases, you actually get beat up and lose your money and, 
and it didn't work because you didn't go through the right process. And so what we found is in between the idea and the execution, there's uh, four things that you can do. We call it evidence-based research that allows you before you execute to actually execute based on, and, and here are the four things you look and see. What are the trends? What are the resources of things, that, uh, solutions that my product or service can solve? Uh, and, or what can they, you know, how can they solve problems? So once you see that, then uh, go out and think about how you could uh, package your product to solve that problem uh, or that, you know, that service to solve that problem. And third is actually to test it. So uh, go out and get some experience and see how it goes and nail it before you scale it and then learn the art of the pivot while you're test. This is huge because pivoting is both an art and a science. So, you know, you go out and all of a sudden you see something that people like. They start responding well. Well, that's where we need to pivot and make the adjustments. And then once we think we've got this down, nail it with small efforts and a small investment. Go out and really say, okay, I've got this down. I know what causes the success. And then execute. Then scale it because you have the confidence. So that would be at least no, from my experience and also somewhat <laughs> to do that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Excellent. Thank you. So number seven is what is your definition of success? Yeah, uh, well, it would maybe be two parts. Uh, is uh, success is happiness. If you're able to be happy, uh, that is really a great success in life. Uh, because unfortunately, so many aren't. And, and so that would maybe be one judgment. But the other is uh, leaving the world a better place than you found it. In my book, anyhow, is taking your talents and having stronger uh, relationships and a, and a happy family and, and uh, you know, in business, your organization, leaving it in a better place than when you found it and in your community and in the world. So for me, that's another standard of success. No, that's lovely. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Okay, the la last question before the life lesson one is, do you have any type of morning routine that helps you get prepped for the day ahead? Uh, okay, good question. And I, I'm glad that you asked that. That's good for all of us to think about that. When we've done pre-week planning, at least it gives you context for each day. At least you have something that you've thought about. So taking a, either the night before or that morning, a few moments to do what in the fighter pilot world they call chair flying. And that is to sit quietly uh, in a chair Look at your day, what you have planned, but then close your eyes and see yourself going through uh, that day, either the night before or that morning. So I did it. The, the, I do it. I try to do it the night before because if I've got exercise on the schedule, I'm going to do it. I'm just not going to let anything else get before that. And I see the things that may come up in the morning. And uh, as I start into the day, I might see a crisis that's coming up last night. Uh, I thought about our podcast happening and and wanting to learn more about you and and uh, and and your listeners. 
so that I might be able to not only have a, a, a favorable experience with you, but I might be able to feel good about it and be at peace about it. Uh, and then I know what's happening the rest of the day. So that is really helpful. Do some chair flying. Uh, it's a, a great practice. We we taught this at a seminar, and one of the individuals that was attending the seminar owns a billion-dollar construction company. Uh, it just happened that that next week he was going to a, a very large bid, a multimillion-dollar bid. And before he went in, he remembered we had talked about chair flying. And so he just sat out in the foyer quietly, closed his eyes, and imagine sitting in front of the group uh, and all of the questions they would ask, and he'd see himself answering the questions and actually having a great experience with them. He said, then I got up and went in. Uh, he said it was such a totally different experience, and we were blessed to get the, the contract, which is like a $25 million contract. It was a big deal. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, the life lesson question. Um, all you need to do is pick a number between 1 and 50, and it is our final t conversational topic point before you get to share th with the world, obviously, um, how people can find out more about you. So a number between 1 and 50, please, Steve. <laughs> okay. We, we, my wife and I are fortunate to have six kids, five boys, and finally a girl. Uh, and they're all growing up now and married and having fun. But, our, of course, as you can imagine, the girl definitely was the princess, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I and, have three sisters. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, she played soccer and, and uh, eventually went to soccer, uh, went to and played college in soccer. And, and her number was number four. Number four. Okay, number so number four, number four is continuous learning. So what this really, what I've really learned from this is, is when I was younger, the one thing I was so looking forward to was to never have to learn again. Um, so I left school at 16, thinking that I would just start work, never having to really, I guess, embrace a learning, the learning culture. I knew I would have to learn skills to do my employment and those sort of things. But it wasn't till I went through my experience that I really understood the massive benefit and impact that actually devoting a large and certainly something I've realized even in the the last 18 months doing this podcast how important um people uh, put the uh, learning and their own self-development uh, in front of many many other things you know, whether it's their skills or learning even new skills, even things in their own personal lives, such as learning new musical instruments or whatever it is, is just something to allow them to to stretch outside their comfort zone and and achieve and enjoy more. Um, and I just wondered what you thought about that. Uh, well, great job on that. I love it. Uh, I think I'd respond this way. In the last uh, 90 days... I've really had a unique opportunity that, that I've had uh, three experiences up close and personal uh, with uh, doctors who have been working, who work, who've dedicated their lives to health and longevity. Uh, they're uh, Dr. Oz, Dr. Mao, and Dr. Fotuhi. Uh, one of them's a neurosurgeon, and all of them, as uh, independently, uh, talked about certain things that you could do. 
and uh, Dr. Fotuhi uh, is a neurosurgeon. When he he was a refugee from Iran as a young man, and then went to the Harvard Medical School. And as a sophomore student, they invited him to be on their faculty. <laughs> Very bright fellow. So he brings a brain out, and he has this brain, and he says, "Here's the cortex." The cortex is responsible for long-term memory. He said, now he opened the brain up, and, it, and down deeper in the bottom, the base is the hippocampus. He's, the hippocampus is vital to uh, our, the health of our brain, but also our health and our longevity. He says, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is once you turn 50, the size of the hippocampus starts reducing 0.05% per year, and he said, if you have certain conditions such as obesity, high stress, head trauma, diabetes, uh, uh, sleep apnea, uh, it can actually shrink 10 to 20 percent per year. And it is directly tied to lifespan, life expectancy and your overall health. He said, now, the good news is you can do things that expand the hippocampus. And, it, it, and I can tell you, he said, I can show you by my research how it will increase your longevity. And whether you are 40, 50 or 40, 60 or 80, uh, it will increase your health and longevity. And he said, here are the things uh, fit, being fit. But all three and this is to your point, Jeff, all three said learning expands the hippocampus and and to the degree his research shows, for example, if you learn to pay, play golf or if you learn a new language, it will expand the size of your hippocampus 25%. I can tell you now, Steve, there'll be a lot of gentlemen and women happy that you've told them to go out and play golf. <laughs> there, will be, there will be an awful lot of happy people out there. I actually know a couple of friends out there that will be telling their wives right now, <laughs> <laughs> that they need to go out and play more golf for their own brain health. So um, my dad may be even going to tell my stepmom that right now. Um, but yeah, no. But that's an interesting thing, actually. So it's so it actually helps improve the the health of your hippocampus, which Absolutely. therefore is linked to it. Wow, that's that's amazing. It is big deal. <laughs> wow, wow. Nothing so else. nothing else. Great job on this. It's it's this has been a fun fun visit with you brilliant well how do how do people find out more about you how can people connect with you and and uh, find out more about the book where can they get hold of the book from yeah okay uh, so people can go to www.becomingyourbest.com uh, and uh, certainly the book's there and we're happy to help however and I, I was just thinking uh, Jeff that um, uh, if your listeners might like to have a free copy a PDF of the pre-week planning sheet, uh, we're happy to just email it to them. If they'll write write to us at support at becomingyourbest.com uh, and just request the free PDF, uh, we're happy to send that along to them and they'll see how that sheet actually helps uh, take them from management to leadership of, uh, of doing, you know, of effectiveness of doing the right thing. So. Uh, that's it. It's been a delight to be with you today. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. And Steve, it just gives me this final opportunity to wish you the greatest success and all the best. Well, and yours as well. Thank you. 
Hey guys, so first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening and I really do appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. The links are in the show notes below. I would also like to invite you to join my growing community on Facebook. All you need to do is search for Kick Mediocrity or Jeff Nicholson UK and you will find the information that is required to join this growing community of like-minded people. You can tune in and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review. And it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I am aspiring to with the show. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and take care.